This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We uh, have been in the series called Eternal Security, and uh, last week I spoke about the question that always comes up, once saved, always saved, and we found out that uh, that's not true. But at the same time, you can be eternally secure. And if you were not here last week, please listen online because it will, uh, you need to have that understanding. Really, it will help with uh, today's message. But last week, I spoke about the Lord had spoke to me and reminded me about the, the text we'll talk about today. And that it showed how hard it is for someone to renounce and reject Christ. And so I believe if you'll go back and listen, uh, it will help bring some understanding. I'm going to touch on it briefly and, uh, and then get off and we'll get with our text for this time. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 says, For it is impossible, say impossible, impossible. for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of, of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come to fall away. Is that what it says? No, it says, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to open shame. So, if if you void the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, that death, burial, and resurrection, if you void that, there is no other sacrifice because scriptures tell us that Jesus will not go through that again. It was like we heard this morning from Zach. It was one time, once and for all, the blood's been shed, the price has been paid for all eternity. It's a done deal. It is finished. So if you come and after you reach a certain stage in your walk with God, and what we found out, and this is in your notes, only a mature believer could qualify to reject Christ. I don't believe a baby Christian could do this. It's just like your, your babies, your children, you don't hold them accountable when they broke that vase that you loved. You know, you forgave them and you didn't kick them out of the family or anything like that. And it's the same with this. You have to be at a certain place in the Lord. You have to know what you're doing. And that's what this means. You know what you're doing. You're mature. You've, you've tasted the Word of God. It means you've eaten, you've digested, and found out how good God's Word is. You've partaken. You've been filled with the Spirit. You have partaken of, you've exercised in the spiritual gifts. You're, you're a mature believer. And for you to turn, and we looked in, up these, these Greek words, what they meant, but it meant to, you desert the Lord. You, you turn from Him. He didn't leave you. You turn from Him and leave Him. And at that time, you can renounce and reject Christ. And you can, I don't say you lose your salvation. How do you lose someone who lives inside of you? You reject your salvation. You renounce Christ. And then you are destined for hell. You're going to the place that, and you know the truth. 
But I don't think this is easy. I don't think many people come to that place because God is relentless in pursuing his kids. In fact, so much so it says he's married to the backslider. Man, he is after you. This thing doesn't happen. I know some backslidden. I have ministered to people that were drunk and they're cursing and carrying on. And you come up and say, Jesus, and they start crying. Go, well, it's almost, why did you bring him up? Yes, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. And <laughs> I mean, even in that state, they recognize Jesus. So this, this is not a thing to be fearful about. Just stick with him. Just stay with him. Amen? We don't want, does anybody want out of this thing? No. And it should be fruit. We talked about there should be fruit of salvation. There should be a desire in you to live godly, to live for him, to express your thanks for all that he did for us. And anyway, get the, uh, get the message and listen to it. But one of the things I talked about is that for God, there is no big sins or little sins. All it takes is one slip and you are not saved. You don't experience salvation. You had to be perfect or you had to know someone who was perfect that took your place. And we know Jesus is the one that was perfect that took our place. So our salvation uh, is secure. So there is no big and little sins. Adam, it took one slip. <laughs> uh, Jesus, it would have only taken one slip. But see, we're in a great place because of grace and because we're on the other side of the cross. You can slip up more than once. Anybody in here ever slipped up more than once? We all have. But we can go boldly to the throne room of grace, not judgment, because Jesus took our judgment. He took the wrath of God for us. Amen? So it's good news. We can rejoice in that. But when it comes to our walk and our life, not every sin's the same. And I find that God emphasizes some sins in the new covenant. And one of those we're going to talk about today is sexual immorality. Also, I find unforgiveness is something that's really hit on hard and uh, I'm sure there's some others, but, uh, and you can see the reason why is because the ripple effect. Now, if you, if I got a ticket for going 10 miles over the speed limit, it would not, it might disturb somebody a little bit and say, he needs to get his foot off the gas pedal, he needs to slow down, he needs to obey the law, that rascal, something like that. But if I, Pastor Bob, front page of the news, strip club raided, pastor of Church of the Harvest on front row, <laughs> spellbound. He was looking, he wasn't witnessing. <laughs> now, how many know there'd be a little different reaction? And rightfully so. I mean, I would not be staying, I would not be your pastor. <laughs> So, so there are things because of the ripple effect in, uh, that has on those around us and stuff, that, that there is some difference there. So we're going to look at the Corinthian church and for just a moment. The Corinthian church was a mess, 
And in fact, in such a place that sexual sin was prevalent there. And in fact, there is a, a son who is having sexual relationships with his father's wife. Or you could say he was having sex with his stepmom. Everybody go, yuck. Or who was on oh, Marilyn Hickey? Say, yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> Never mind, somebody on the horseshoe. That's what Marilyn Hickey would do. <laughs> I mean, this place is in a, it's in a mess. And Paul, he, uh, I have to hand it to Paul. I mean, he dealt with the Galatians. The Galatians, they're trying to get out of grace to go back into the law. And then you have the Corinthian church that's taken grace and really have twisted it that, man, we're forgiven. Anything goes. And see, they were, they were both wrong. And Paul had to come and correct that. And that's what he's working on. But they were both opposites in this. The Corinthian church actually thought they were more uh, spiritual than Paul. They thought that they uh, knew better. Uh, they thought they could do anything with their body because they're, they're spiritually, they're fine. And we know that that's not the way God looks at it. So they were what I would call extreme grace. Actually, they didn't understand what grace is. So Paul starts his letter to the Corinthians. First thing he does, he reminds them of who they are in Christ. And he starts it off, he says, they're uh, of the family of God, they're holy ones, they're sanctified, you're not lacking any of the gifts. He goes in, he builds them up in who they are. And you see this in the notes. Paul reminds them who they are in Christ, and then tells them to live from their new identity. He then tells them that we're not to live like the world. We have a new identity. We're to, how is our light going to shine if we look like the world? How are we going to win the lost if we look like, smell like the lost? God wants our lives to be different. That's the reason we're here if it was not for the mission to save other lives, God would just take us home. We have a mission on this earth to see lives change and transform through the power of the blood of Christ, through the transforming power of God's word penetrating our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions until our behavior starts to be transformed and changed and people say there's something different about you. Something has changed. Something is weird about you. You're either in the now. I mean, this thing just happened to you, yet you're at peace. And it opens up doors for witness because the, the behavior is witnessing all the time. How many know that? You're witnessing all the time by your behavior, by your example. So what kind of example are you making? That's what Paul is is. Uh, talking to them about. So he gets down to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in uh, verse 1. And, and let me say a little bit about uh, Corinth. It was a very sexual place. I mean, they had the Greek god of sex there. They had temple prostitutes. I mean, it was a sex-crazed place, kind of like our culture today. You know, everything, you can look at a commercial, and it looks like it's a, a sex commercial, and then you find out it's chewing gum. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what the commercial's about. 
until the end. And, and see, our culture, we're, we're really in the same place. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it's actually reported that there, are sexu- there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as, not even, as is not even named among the Gentiles or the world, that a man has his father's wife. This word sexual uh, uh, immorality here actually um, is where we get the word pornography from. And it, it's representing sex or sexual activity out of the boundaries of God's Word, what God tells us. And the definition is in your notes, sexual immorality here means any sexual activity outside of a husband and wife's marriage. So that, that labels a whole lot there that you can look at and you can analyze what's in the world, what's around us, this is what we are dealing with. And I remember Lester Summerall years ago saying that when the 2000 hit, the 2000 years, it would be a time that the enemy unleashes sexual addiction to rob and steal from the body of Christ. And they tell us today, Focus on the Family says that 50% of the men are addicted to pornography. 50%. And also they had the staff, I think they said it was about the same for pastors, 50% addicted to pornography. That should not be. And there needs to be, uh, well, we'll talk about here. There needs to be some change of heart, say the least. Verse 2, and you are puffed up. They're puffed up about this or prideful and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. They're proud. They're, they're prideful about it. They're acting like there's no consequence for sin. That, that grace is powerful enough that we just do what we want. There's no godly sorrow into repentance. The church was tolerating this sin and was even arrogant about it. Yeah, we can do what we want because we've been forgiven of all of our sins. What a reproach to the cross to even think that way. But we are free. We're exercising our freedom. Thank God for grace. We can live any way we want. That's not grace. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. See, grace teaches us to live a godly life. Here's the good news about it. Grace empowers you to live that godly life. You cannot live it on your own. You don't have enough strength. It takes God and his power on the inside of you by his spirit, and you can overcome. Now, I'm not covering this to pick on anyone or anything like that. We love all people, and sin is hurting and destroying your life. So we're out to help. We're never out to hurt. I would never want to do that. Just want you to listen 
if, if it fits you. Or maybe you have some loved ones or someone that does fit that you can minister to. So the word grace, or when we look at what the Bible says about grace, it's talking about living a behavior that blesses God and shows who he is. Now, I'm not talking about someone that is a new believer. They have to walk some things out. I'm not talking about somebody that's involved in sexual morality, and they're not sorrowful about it, and they're not walking through some things. I'm talking about somebody who's not even trying, not walking through anything, not sorry about it. That's a dangerous place to be in when you are, are sinning on purpose, arrogant about it, proud about it, and not even any godly sorrow. Verse 3, for a deed as absent in the body and present in spirit have already judged, for I indeed, Paul saying this, as though I was present. Let me tell you, this wasn't a tough one for Paul. You know, I, no, I don't have to be there. We don't have to Skype. Or we don't have to do anything. Uh, I make this judgment call from here. That's what, I've already judged as though I was present. Him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now we're talking, this is Paul the, uh, called the apostle of grace. He has the greatest revelation of grace than anyone. And he's saying... And I just wish he'd be plain. I just wish he'd just let it out and just, you know, we have to guess. What is he trying to say here? No, I've judged it. Turn this one over. To who? Satan. For the destruction of his flesh. Wow. Do you see the way grace looks at this? This is horrible. Why? Because it will destroy people's lives. It'll do more than that. It will destroy a church. And that's what he, he gets down to here in a minute. But look at this. Deliver in verse 5. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Kick this man out so Satan can deal with him. That's what he's saying. In the church, we experience the presence of God the gifts of the Spirit, there's encouragement, there's accountability. Something happens when you come to church that encourages you, helps keep you out of giving in to temptation. Something happens on the inside of us when we come together, when you're committed and a part of a church family. There's protection, there's favor. By putting him out, what they were doing, back into the world, he became vulnerable to Attacks of the enemy. Why? He's being protected by the church. I've seen it many times when God was dealing with a believer about repentance and somebody from the church comes and just blesses the fire out of them. And they just go, hey, I'm okay. I'm just going to keep on going back to where I was. Sometimes we just need to be listening. Not sometimes. We need to be listening to the Lord. It's nothing wrong with blessing someone, but I'm talking about times where, well, I just feel sorry for you. I know you're 
going through this thing, but, you know, it's okay. God understands. Yeah, God understands. He's trying to deliver this one. <laughs> and in our compassion and our, our love, just let me put my arm around you and let me cuddle you in this gross sin that you're in. Let me stroke you and say it, it's going to be okay. God loves and I love you. That's not what the scripture says. When what Paul is hoping this will bring him to his senses and repentance will come. Now what happens in America many times when a church tries to bring some, some correction or a situation like this, they go to another church. Is that too honest? This is in your notes. My connection with my local church provides protection, favor, grace, strength, anointing, peace, learning, growing, encouragement, accountability, and fellowship. That's the reason you need to be planted in a church. The devil wants to keep you out of the church. He doesn't want you committed and a part of a church. And I'll say it this way, when you go uh, in our class 101, in the video I, I mentioned that there's over 30 different scriptures that talk about things that you cannot do about others, about group. And what it's talking about is the church. There are places you cannot grow until you're connected in a church. When there's people around you, you'll learn how to deal with people in church. Everybody smile at your neighbor. You learn. You grow. And there's places, and I have people tell me, say, where do you go to church? And I say, I go where the Lord leads me. You know what that tells me? Immature. That's an immature believer that's com not committed to a local church because they don't realize they're not growing in areas because they refuse to be connected. Why? It costs you something to be connected. It costs you something to get married. It costs you some sacrifice. It costs you some commitment. It costs you some time. But it's all worth it. It was Jesus' plan, and he's in love with the church, so you might as well be. So what they're doing here is saying, hey, look, no more fellowship here. You talk to him, let it be about challenging him to, met, to straighten his life up. But I want you to look, and this is what the Lord showed me. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus or in the day of judgment. His spirit would be saved. What's that tell you? It's hard. It's hard to renounce and reject God when he's doing everything he can. See, he even tells the church, look, leave this man alone. Because even if he has to die, if the destruction of his flesh has to take place, 
If he keeps moving in this direction, he's going to turn from the living God and reject the blood of Jesus and be damned for eternity in hell. So I implore you, church, leave him alone. Let the devil have him. Let him come to his senses that he can have godly repentance and come back to life and into the church. Because he was in danger of rejecting Christ. And when I studied this, my first question, of course, where's the dad? And where's the stepmom? But it didn't tell us. His spirit was in jeopardy. But we see here the mercy and the love of God. God was willing to let this man die in order to save his sonship, that his spirit would be saved. God's relentless in his pursuit for us. Paul continues on and tells them a little leaven when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I started just read the whole chapter so much. Got a lot of verses today. But it talks about a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. If you take yeast and you put in dough, it, it gets in the whole lump and the, you cook it, the whole thing will rise. And that's what he's talking about, sin, get into the church. And we have to be aware of these things, tolerating, being arrogant about one man's sin, this gross sin, I called it, will work its way throughout the church. If sin is tolerated, even boasted about as part of our freedom, then it spreads and affects others in the church. So he continues on in verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual and moral people. Yes, I certainly do not mean with the sexual and moral people of this world. You couldn't deal with anybody. You couldn't go to work. That's what he says. Or with the sexual and moral people of this world or with the covetous, extortioners, idolaters, since then you would not need to go out into the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or adulterer or rivaler, um, which means abusive or a drunkard or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Wow. And, and let me say this. If you dealt with this in the past, past is past. But if you're dealing with some of this now, there's help. Get help. Get, deal with it. Deal with the sin in your life because sin still pays wages and the wages is death. And there's people here, I mean, we have a freedom ministry. We have ladies and men's ministry. We have people here that minister and help you. You can come and receive prayer. You can get cleansing. This God will deliver you. He is mighty to deliver He's not lost his power. Nothing's too hard for him. He will do it. Verse 12, For what have I to do with judging those also who are on the outside? Do you not judge those on, who are on the inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves that evil person. And I, I didn't put it in here, but you go down even more. He says, there's not one wise person in your church. That's that's why he said, is there any? I can't find one wise that couldn't judge this. 
all something else. So we avoid those in the world in sexual immoral sin. I was thinking about this. That's what believers do. We start avoiding those in sexual and moral sin. And we embrace those in the church in sexual and moral sin. Maybe we got backwards. We spend time with the ones in sexual sin in the church unless, of course, they're admitting wrong. They're getting help and they're working through things. It's different. Stop associating with the hypocritical Christian, but challenge them to sort their life out. This is not a game. This life is life or death. And you can go so far into deception, you'll start going against the very ones that love you and are for you. I had a, a couple, and they, they weren't married. They were both married to other people at, at my work, and they both came to me with a scripture that they thought made it okay for them to have an affair. That's how much deception was involved in this. And see, when you open the door to sexual sin, there's lying, there's hiding, there's sneaking around. Uh, all these things open the door to the enemy. And they come to me with the scripture, and here's a remarkable thing. The scripture kind of fit until you read the scripture before and after. <laughs> and said, no go, no. And they kind of lowered their head. And they were both, I don't know to say, they were both teachers in their churches. Teaching the Bible. I'm glad to say today, they're back fine with their spouse, the way it should be, and they're on track with God. Here's the good news of this, this message here about this, this man. The good news is that kicking him out worked. Because you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, and you can read there that Paul had to look He's repented. He's been sorrowful. You need to embrace him, hug him, forgive him. He had to plead with the Corinthians to invite him back in, to love on him. He had repented, and he was, he was back. Well, so then the question was, well, Pastor, I know if he had died, he's having incest, he's, he's having this sexual affair. I know if he had died without repenting, he'd gone to hell. No, he'd gone to heaven. As it said, his spirit would have been saved, and Jesus has forgiven all your sins, past, present, and future, in your spirit. But you need... First John first nine one nine and confess your sins to get cleansing for your soul and your emotions. So then, if that's not the case, what about well, Pastor? I know there's no adulterer, there's no fornicator that's going to heaven. Well, let me read to you. Paul addresses this. 
You go down to verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. He said, know that no unrighteousness goes to heaven, inherits the kingdom of God. What's he been addressing? A man in sexual sin. And according to this, he would not inherit the kingdom. One problem. He had already been washed. He had already been sanctified. The blood had already been applied to his life. He had already accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. That's the reason his spirit was righteous and righteousness does inherit the kingdom of God. And in your spirit, God sees Jesus' righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ. That's some good news. Well, pastor, I'd rather have the adulterer go to hell. No, you wouldn't. God opened their eyes. <laughs> We've all been forgiven a much, the truth is. And to think that you wouldn't get into a mess is pride. And we need to always be on guard in our life. We need to be thinking about what we're thinking about. Told someone that the other day. You need to start thinking about what you're thinking about. <laughs> because what you're thinking about will be leading you and become a part of you. We got to get a hold of this. That's the reason in Ephesians, Paul said, wake up from the dead. And you look it up, it means from among the dead. Stop acting like the dead. That's what he's saying. Don't act like the world. Act like your new identity in Christ. Don't you know the way you're acting? Those people in the world are not even getting in. But this man had already inherited the kingdom. Let me tell you what, the kingdom of God is already on the inside of you. Can a Christian commit adultery? Be adulterer? Absolutely. Can a Christian lie? Can a Christian commit sin? So the next question is asked, can a homosexual go to heaven? I may say yes. No, don't raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let me tell you the answer. Yes, if they've accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. Is their life happy and good? No. Sin always costs you. Sin always has a consequence. Let me talk to the young people for a moment. The best decision you can make as a teenager is don't get involved in sexual activity. 
because there's consequences, because there's a price to pay. Sex and marriage go together. And sex is good. God made it. He created it, not the devil. But it's for the boundary of marriage. Sex and marriage go together. But sex and babies go together. Sex and bills go together. (laughs) Sex and diapers go together. Sex and more responsibility go together. Sex and babies crying in the middle of the night go together. There's consequences. There's responsibility. Just say no. God knows best. Let's go his way. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me one time, would we want homosexual come true? Absolutely. We want all kinds. Everyone. Such were some of us. Because we love people. And see, the church is to be loving, yet we hold the standard. And we stand strong on the truth. But you do it in love. And when we see, it's just like sexual addiction. When you're seeing a a woman as an object, see, God gets a hold of your heart. And you see her, you can recognize maybe she's beautiful, but you recognize she's someone's daughter. God created her. You bring value to that person. In the church of the living God, we give value to every person. No one's left out. We all were in the same boat. We were all lost. We were all a mess. We all needed Jesus. And so we reach out with the love of God to the world around us. Paul goes on to say, I'm going to stop here, but he tells us why sex. Let me, let me just read this. And I'll just stop. 1 Corinthians 15. Don't you realize that your bodies are actual parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that a man, if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and gives to you, is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you for a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Let's bow our heads. And we'll just continue with this this week. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And we want to deal with sin in our lives. We want to be those that don't play games. We want your best for our life. We want to see you honored and glorified that our light would shine and we would reach a lost and dying world. 
And Lord, we have a passion and a love for those around us. If today, first of all, you never accepted Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, today you choose. You come just the way you are. You can't clean yourself up. He does it. Just come to him, and he'll give you a new start. He'll make you a new person on the inside. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Won't embarrass you. You won't have to come down. You won't hear say, that's me. Or maybe today you prayed this, but you recognize there's some areas that need to be tightened up in your Christian life. Maybe you need to stop watching some things you've been watching. Maybe you need to be running from some things you've been running to. Maybe you need to stop. He's saying, come home today. Come home to him. Come home to Christ. Make that declaration that I'm going to live all out for you. I know I can't do it in my own strength, Lord, but by your spirit. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus who died for me. I receive the forgiveness of my Savior. I receive that he paid the price. He was raised from the dead for me. And now I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'll live for you. I'll listen to your voice. I'll read your word. And I'll give you thanks. And I'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.